0: So, what inspired the gold tips?
1: <laughs> gold tips. This is like a, a symbol of my rebellion from the nine to five norm. You know, the standard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go get a job and and.
0: This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go
1: you know the uh the American dream they sell you this was like the first step I think in saying you know I don't if if they don't want to hire me or they don't want me to keep working for them because I have blonde hair then that's probably a good thing you know like mm-hmm. I just I want to do what I want I want to wear what I want be who I want go wherever I want whenever I want you know and it was kind of just uh it was like that last step I did it a few months before I left my, my last nine to five job mm-hmm. and uh me and my girlfriend were going to Tulum for, for like an end-of-the-year trip. And I felt like that was a great opportunity. It was going to be two weeks off of work. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll, I'll die before and then I'll die right back, you know, so no one says anything or notices anything. And it's, once I got back, I was like, I'm keeping it. And now it's been like six months. So- I love
0: it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and if you don't know, we're with a UF legend, right? A popple legend, a Beverly Hills 90210 legend right we're here with bryce head of product and partnerships for popple thank you for taking the time to spend some time with the credential show you know where we make thought provoking content in the form of information and inspiration and i'm glad yes yeah, you can see right here you know what i'm saying i got my pop Popple bins you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and popple if you don't know is the the greatest not even virtual business card, but just the greatest business card or the way—the greatest way to share your information in the world right now, in my opinion. Yes, obviously I'm biased, but it's also based on the fact that inside this band I can literally touch, not even have to shake your hand, but I can literally touch the back of your, your iPhone and then you have access to my podcast on Apple, Podcast on Spotify, you'll have access to my website that'll go straight to my website, right? When I have merch, literally, you can go I have a, a link straight to your merch. I have a link straight to my YouTube. I have a link straight to my Cash App. I have a link straight. If I had, if I made TikToks, I, I could have a link to my TikToks. You know what I'm saying? And the person doesn't even have to have the app, it goes literally when you touch the back of the iPhone it literally hits the the it goes straight into a safari pop up so the person doesn't even need this all you all you need is this this is literally the best way to share information you know what i'm saying this is not even an ad this is just hey i liked it and this is dope so I, if i like it Uh, Yes, I have done sales, if you can tell. I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) I was
1: going to say, we got to get Charles in here to be our head of sales. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: man, this thing is cool, man. So like I said, thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. And the one thing you forgot to add is uh, it's going to take you to your master's class. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for when that comes out.
0: Exactly, exactly. So when I do do the master class and all this stuff um, and different projects and ventures, it'll go straight there. So I like talking to people who are in positions like yourself, but this is not something you, you, you dreamed about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is not something, mm. Hey, you know what, when I'm five years old, I'm dreaming about, you know, being the head of product and partnerships for Popple, like, <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you, you have to pivot, you have to be adaptable and you have to be Pursuing something that you like or are interested in, like, not necessarily a career, but a lifestyle, like, your lifestyle is helping, your lifestyle is sales, your lifestyle is houses, your, your lifestyle is, you know, you know, like your passion, I sometimes I call it lifestyle, sometimes I call it passion, but you have to, you have to pursue that. And then through your passion, it takes you to popple, it takes you to kick back it takes you to you know it takes you through different experiences to prepare you for that that one experience or to open your your mind or your awareness to that uh, an experience that gets you there (laughs) you know so i like going backwards to go forward to go present and to go future cool
1: absolutely yeah it's kind of like uh i forget the name of the pixar movie Do you know i'm talking about where he's i think it's called spark
0: spark i don't think i've seen that that Pixar.
1: it might not be called spark it might be something else but uh it's about finding your spark right and like Mm -hmm. what is that and it's a really kind of trippy movie it's a kids pixar movie but it shouldn't be for kids (laughs) Uh, it touches on a lot of like very deep topics um but yeah it's about finding your spark and what you're here to do You know how that relates to what you want to do what you're supposed to do and what you're good at doing you know so Mm-hmm. you should watch that definitely it's yeah much exactly what you just described yeah
0: spark all right put that make some some note adjustments add that in there <laughs> I appreciate that all right before we get into you know popple your role your responsibilities I want to start off with we're doing this virtually you know through an app that was really huge in the in the pandemic time of being created and Getting traction with Zoom. So, what have you learned, new, or what perspective have you gained since COVID has happened? Like for me, this podcast is made out of the pandemic. With my situation, um, I decided, you know, I want to do some, I want to create some, I want to learn some, and I created a podcast. So, for you, what have you learned, like a new skill or a new perspective, or maybe even both?
1: Yeah. Definitely. Well, and first, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, Very excited for our conversation. So let's get it. Um, But COVID, yeah, obviously changed the world, changed all of us. Uh, For some of us, it was an opportunity. Some of us, it was was a challenge, which, you know, either side of the coin is also an opportunity. So, this, you know, COVID has actually been like, one of the best years of my life. Um, it allowed me to kind of move from a place that I was into the place that I am now, which is one of the happiest places I've ever been in my life. Um, oh, you know, to say what exactly did I learn? I've learned a lot of stuff because a lot of things have have changed for me. I left, you know, the nine to five uh, standard, you know, wake up, <clears throat> go do your job, turn off the computer, that's it, to what I'm doing now, which is I feel like I'm living the dream truly. You know, people ask, you know, how are you? You say living the dream, but um, I don't feel like I'm working anymore. So I don't feel like I trade my time for money anymore, which is crazy because that was always the always the goal. You know, um, early on, you know, maybe I thought the goal was money, but money is just a vehicle, right? At the end of the day, it's once you start doing what you want and exchanging your time for 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 more time. Um, And so I think what I learned through the pandemic is that that's possible. Um, I I picked up a lot of skills along the way, you know, as I I got to this point, but um, really to know that it's possible to get to where you want to go, even though you may not know exactly where you want to go. And this is kind of what you touched on before about, um, you know, I don't think anyone woke up when they were five years old and said daddy i want to be the uh you know the head of product and partnerships at popple because that job didn't exist and it's you know such a vague specific thing um and i had ideas kind of of what i wanted to do generally but it wasn't this but you know now that i'm here it's like this is exactly what it was um so yeah the lesson that i learned is that it's possible to get to that point um and the, the recipe for it was a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of a lot of days and nights and weekends that weren't I wasn't doing what I wanted to do um, necessarily um, doing things that I was interested in, um, but not exactly in the capacity that I wanted them to be. It's hard to explain that. But I think as we go here, it'll really make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I put in a lot of time and work into things that worked and didn't work. Um, and it all kind of came together and, and things worked out and here I am. So yeah, the biggest lesson is work hard and, and have a kind of a goal, at least, you know, even if that goal isn't where you end up, it'll take you there. So, yeah.
0: So I have a question for you based on what you said. So you, you said that you figured out it was possible, right? And I think we all know that it's possible, but what kept you motivated What kept you fighting to actually chase that dream, chase that reality of it is possible? Because that's, I think, the biggest hurdle that most of us face, you know, being humans, that we know what's possible, but we can't stay motivated. We can't stay encouraged enough, you know, to actually do it. So what helped you in your pursuit?
1: So the answer is pretty easy. It, it was like a, a feeling of being uncontent with where I was and what I had and what I was doing, um, which is unfortunate that it was a negative uh, influence that, that caused it, you know, but I think that's how, how most of us are people that live the dream, the American dream, you know, the classic story of the immigrant that comes over works really, really hard, never stops to provide for their family and create a new life. It's I feel like it was that exact feeling where it's like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing what I want to be doing. And I'm not necessarily happy doing it, which is, you know, unfortunate, but look where it it led me, you know, and and there's millions and millions and millions of stories and people who have gone through the exact same process in one way or another. Um, But yeah, that's what kept me going was knowing that like, what I did today and what I felt today isn't what I want to do and feel tomorrow, you know? And so every day there was that kind of drive to push me to figure out, I got to do something. I got to get out of the cycle. I got to get out of the system, Um, you know, break the simulation, so to speak. Um, And that's what kept me going for sure, day in, day out, even though like it was miserable sometimes, you know, you wake up, do things you don't want to do. You got to work a little longer, Um, but yeah, that's what kept me going.
0: And that's what they call sacrifice. You know, that's yeah. I think what what it comes down to is you have to be willing to sacrifice and see the long-term picture, like you said, you know, of what is possible and, and realize that you don't, it's okay to not know for a year or two, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's okay to be selective um, because that's what you want to do because you don't want to keep moving, right? If you know that you want, there's something that you know that you want. But more importantly you have to know what you want and write it down you know so it's it's a it's a process to yep. you can't just no one just says oh I'm just gonna keep believing no they they keep they they say that but they write it down
1: write and it down they and
0: they sacrifice
1: and for many <laughs> months my, the mirror in my bedroom had like the main you know high level goals written on it with a sharpie so that I couldn't even see my reflection without looking at, you know, those things staring me back in the face. So.
0: I like that. I like that. I like that, you know, and that's what it takes, but, and that's why I'm so glad that you're sharing that. And I'm so glad that, you know, people share that on their podcast, people share that on their YouTube pages, you know, to remind yourself because we all need daily motivation and daily reminders and daily tricks on how to accomplish what we want to accomplish, in this American lifestyle, you know, because like you said, everyone signs up for their own simulation, depending on what country they live in. So mm-hmm. don't you want to beat the game, Yeah. <laughs> you know? So beating the game is a lot of it is knowledge and accountability of yourself. And if you get knowledge and you hold yourself accountable, you will achieve it. And then you yep. just need to sacrifice to wait on the time for it to hit.
1: Absolutely. And you surround yourself with people like, um, you know, I'm surrounded by you. You're surrounded by, by me. You find those people that that share that common goal. Because the other thing is not everyone could have the conversation that we're having, you know, and that is super key as well.
0: Exactly. And it's and you have to you have to you have to search for it or you have to not even search for it. Sometimes it comes to you, you know, and you have to be willing in being open. That's what people mean by being open. You know, you have to be receptive to the unknown, receptive to the unfamiliar, because you won't know if you like it or it's okay to not like it. And it's okay to try something and not like it. At least, you know, now and there won't have to be unknown. So you won't have to be tense about it or, you know, queasy or or, or, like, you know, like, I I don't know. I don't like this. Good. Mm -hmm. I can move on. I can make a called experience you know? And it's, but it's crazy. It takes different perspectives and it takes different type of conversations to, to to do all this. So, all right. So from, cause I want to get into what you're doing now. So I want to figure it out. So from kid to through your high school years, like, are you thinking about a career or are you just being a kid and you're just doing kid stuff? Yep. Talk about it.
1: I was very much just being a kid for, I think longer than most, uh, which I think most would just describe as immaturity. Um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, I have to preface with that. I've been very blessed to have been given access to all the resources that I could have ever wanted. Um, so I, you know, I can never go a day without being grateful that. But for example, my mom applied to college for me, um, to give you a, a kind of a, an idea of how excited I was to grow up and, and go get a job and, and have a career and how much I was thinking about any of that. Cause I wasn't. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And my, and my mom always made sure that I was doing good in school and, and didn't fail math like she did. Um, and I became a mechanical engineer. Um, so it, you know, I'm very grateful for all of that, but I was not thinking about what am I going to do? Um, you know, what do I want to do? I, I knew, I, I think by the time I graduated, I was like, okay, I'll be engineering because I like figuring out how things work. And I think at the end of the day, an engineer is a problem solver. Um, engineering is basically the application of, of science to real world problems. So using science to solve problems. And we all learned as kids that there's a scientific method. Right. And, and that's what, that's what it is. It's, it's step-by-step analytical thinking and the ability to sit down and solve hard problems and, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences, you know, having gone through UF and learning to, to think that way. Although, like, as soon as I left, I used very little of that engineering degree. Um, and this is another topic for another day. But, you know, the this, this school system trains people to go get jobs that they don't want to do to live lives that they don't want to live. And, you know, it's frustrating. And um, fortunately, I think, you know, at least I, I got a degree that allowed me to, to think critically and solve lots of different problems.
0: Let me ask you based on what you said, because I agree with that too, right? I agree that a lot of times school is to work careers that you realize you don't even like at all. And the reason why I think that is, is because we have to make the decision of, or we're, we're pr- marketed, I would say we're marketed into thinking we have to make the decision on what we have to be and why we have to be it at 17, 18 as high school students. Instead of taking two, three years off, work, work, just work, just do different things. Be a cashier, be a a server, uh, you know, work as an unpaid coach or a coach volunteer and figure out which one of these things do I like, you know, be work in a bank, you know, for a couple months, like what, what do I like? And then now you go to college, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because based on what you're saying, and I was going to ask you, like, you didn't even want to be an engineer, like really? You had no Not, interest
1: in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, exactly, exactly. And I, it's funny, cause I was having a conversation with a friend at the wharf in Fort Lauderdale a couple weekends ago. Um, and he does real estate, commercial real estate, which is tried and true, right? Like you didn't need to go to college for someone, everyone in the world to tell you that real estate is a proven path. And I saw that you had Joey on the show, uh, recently and, and that's exactly what he's doing, you know, um, the duplexes. yeah. And so <clears throat> I was talking to him, I was like, you know, you didn't need to go to school to, to do that. And, and I was talking about my experience and that, like, I don't really use much of what I, learned however like that degree is a a a it's a skill set but it's also a credential right that a lot of people will will it's a conversation when evaluating you you know up front but anyway um we're having the conversation that it's like you know neither of us college wasn't really meant for either of us um what we you know learned is is how to socialize how to network that kind of thing and so there's there's value to it for sure um but yeah, it's not for everybody and unfortunately I think a lot of people become victims of that system and um have you I'm guessing you probably read Think and Grow Rich. i mm-hmm. I've listened yeah. to yeah,
0: um, I, I listen to books. I don't read them. Nice. Yeah,
1: yeah. efficiency, efficiency. <laughs> I forget who the name of is it Carnegie Mellon Andrew Carnegie Mellon I think, right? It was one of the original American tycoons. Yes. And you yeah. know if he was Dale Carnegie I the story here, but or Andrew Carnegie. Yeah. Um but uh you know, talking about the the school system was designed in the early, like kind of industrial revolution, post-industrial revolution days. It was intended to create employees, American employees to fuel what was America at the time. And we are no longer that America, you know? And so that system is designed literally to create people to, you know, become the, the gears and the cogs in the system. And and it's kind of antiquated, but, it, you know, it, it keeps our country running. So, yeah, conversation for another day, but for sure.
0: And let's go there, though. But you think it's make is it keeping our country running or is it preventing our country from excelling and getting back to where we, we could be or where we should be? You know what I'm saying? Because if we're yeah. going to go deep about it, like, school was never – degrees never mattered. They never mattered. You know what I'm saying? It was always – the network, the people you're going to be surrounded by, that's what's always has mattered. That is what always matters. That's why it's quote unquote exclusive to go to these schools. They're not trying to hide the education because they're really they're taught by people who haven't actually applied anything. you know only right. schools really have people who've applied it and actually done it. you know so but what they're keeping away is the access to the people, access to the networks, access to the families. You yeah. know that's the what you away, yeah <laughs> in college, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you join a fraternity for for fun, or did you think about like the networking and the that aspect of it?
1: Uh, I don't think you know going back to being mature and not having like you know a big picture vision and long term goals at that point, it wasn't to build my network. it was more to to have a network at that moment. so you know like I grew up playing sports. Um, I was on the football team and in, in high school swim team. So I knew what it was like to be surrounded by people with common, at least interests, if not common goals. Um, so when you talk about networking, it was more about networking at that moment for personal happiness and to have friends and, and do all the things that you hear that fraternities do, you know, have a good time and you know, play intramural sports and, and meet girls, you know, all that kind of stuff um so that's that's the main reason i joined and i had there was an older brother influence not my own older brother um i don't have one but uh a friend from the neighborhood his older brother had gone to uf and had joined a fraternity and always came back and just you know looked up to this kid as a as an idol and so for me that was that was the only thing i cared about when i went to college was i'm gonna join a fraternity i wasn't worried about going to you know taking classes or anything really but it <laughs> all worked. That's
0: out. real, though. I'm glad you're sharing that because um, that just gives perspective of like everyone's journey is different. You know, every, there's no cookie cutter way to to reach a certain level of success or a certain and 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 sometimes it takes. Just your life is your life. Your life is you know life. Life is much about exposure and access to information than than anything you know, because
1: yeah. experience just, yeah.
0: If you don't, if you don't have that, that kid who talks about the, frater- and, and also when are you joining the fraternity? at 18? Yeah. Yeah. 18. You know what I'm saying? You're not like, I joined the fraternity at 21. Mm-hmm. So what's crazy is like how you viewed it and how I viewed it was totally different. Like I knew off rip, I'm coming in and network. And, and I also I was curious. I'm like, Hmm, what are they really? Is it like, the 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 fraternity because you hear stories about yeah you know Greek life in college and like in these historic schools so it's curious yoga parties and
1: and keg stands right
0: yeah you, well, yeah or, or not even that like the the just is there secret stuff <laughs> you
1: know like yeah, or is right there right stuff? this the secret society yeah
0: yeah you know is it was it was intriguing to me and like and also I just knew if my goals don't work out now I'm gonna have people that I know they're going to do something <laughs> and I can have a network to lean on or I now have a, a network to push me. And like you said, going back to I already done sales at this point. So I knew the importance of circle of influence and yep. you are who you surround yourself with. So I was kind of conscious. I was intentional about surrounding myself with people that, all right, you know, it's cool. Like now looking now, fast forward, I'm out of college. I have kids that working with banks kids working with big tech companies kids working being doctors dentists and all that you know it's it's dope to have it pushes you you know you can't be a bum you can't you know when your friends are all doing well and and challenging themselves you know so that's 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 cool i'm glad for you so talk about if a good college experience or a couple, you know, it could be fraternity related, not that, like, stuck out to you while at UF?
1: Good college experience. Um, Yeah, so for the first few years, it was kind of just school was not the focus, it was just becoming social, like, there was, uh, I, I'm, I'm a natural introvert, and so, like, it I, I describe myself as an introvert who wishes they were an extrovert. Right. So I'm always trying to, to put myself out there and talk to the people. It's just not, doesn't come naturally to me. Um, but so for the first few years, that was the, my entire goal was just to make friends, become social, um, be interesting, have fun experiences. <clears throat> um, and that, all of that happened, you know, met a lot of cool people. There are a lot of cool things. Um, Gainesville is a great college town to do that. Um, uh, those are more like a collective, sum of events, but I would say that once things started really impacting me, it was like, um, towards the end, you know, there started to become this feeling of, okay, like I got to figure something else out because I'm going to have to leave soon. Right. You know, they're going to kick me out eventually. And I got to like, I got to do something. And so one of those things was I went to uh, Peru for a summer um, I ended up living in Peru for three months. Was only supposed to be there for one month on a volunteer program, um, not directly sponsored by the school, but I found it through the school. It's called Wind Aid, and uh, we went and you you build, construct, and install small wind turbines um, to generate generate electricity for remote villages in Peru that don't have access to grid electricity. And so, that was kind of a first big life changing experience for me. Um, like I said, I was only supposed to be there for a month, ended up wanting to stay because I was having such a good time meeting people from all over the, like literally every country in the world. Um, There's big groups of, of people every month that would come in and go through this program and, and donate a wind turbine. And we all live together in a house in uh, Trujillo, Peru, which is, I believe, the second biggest city. Um, so that was kind of like a, you know, a life changing, life impacting experience. Um. I got my first tattoo there. So Vida consentido is basically uh, loosely translated to meaningful life in, in Spanish. Um, and that's kind of what that trip was, was looking for like kind of one of those first steps in looking for something. Um, and it was engineering related, which was cool. Um, you know, problem solving, building, creating and giving. Go ahead. What do you mean by What do you
0: mean by like, what were you looking for? If you don't, if you don't. I wasn't sure,
1: you know. It's almost like uh, I was kind of wandering, like hoping someone would something would come. Um, what was cool about Peru is that it allowed me to combine two skill sets. One was engineering and two was the ability to speak Spanish, which I'm not fluent by any means, but as many of us growing up in South Florida did, took Spanish for many years in school, but never had the opportunity to use it. So I knew when like traveling to, to do something like this, it made sense to go to a spanish-speaking country to use you know the knowledge that was just sitting in the back of my brain totally unused so um yeah, that and yeah.
0: like i got a go hey i mean what, what? but i got a good accent but i don't really know the language
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't either and i'm sure like people spanish-speaking people when when i'm in those countries laugh and giggle and think it's like adorable that i'm trying because it probably sounds like a you know a fifth grader with a speech impediment but um you know i do my best i always say that if you pick me up and drop me off in any spanish-speaking country like i'll be fine you know
0: if i have my iphone i should be fine because there's translate now on there
1: (laughs) if you have your iphone can't, can't bank on that
0: yeah, yeah you're right you're right so but, let me ask you like how'd you find this pro like what made you seek out this program and and how'd you find WinAid aid at uf
1: yeah see these are like the these moments in your life where you're not like you don't necessarily know what drew you to do this but it drew you to to an experience that definitely altered your trajectory you know um at the time actually i was uh I had kind of been on and off with this this girl in, in college who wasn't necessarily a, the best influence. Um, and between that and kind of just like the stress of school and not having been super focused on school because that wasn't my focus while I was there. Because um, you never liked it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't there for necessarily the right reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, I was there for the right intentions, but not the self-fulfilling reasons. And so uh, I was kind of getting to a point where I was like, I don't know if you'd call it burnout or I needed to escape, you know, from, from everything that I knew and experienced and, and Gainesville, Florida, if you know anything about it, which you obviously do, but. Um, for those
0: who don't. <laughs> it's
1: For those who don't, for, for the folks at home, uh, shout out Gainesville. But um, man, it's, it's, it's a little bubble. It's a fairy tale land. It's an SEC school. It's a state school. It's a football school. It's, uh, fraternity sorority school. It's a very smart school, but you know, it's a land like no other where wow. things, it's the yeah, south. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a fairy tale land and it's an incredible place. But you very much become absorbed in this bubble and, and sometimes forget that life exists outside of it in a very different capacity. Um, and I think I started like realizing that, like, I was realizing that but I needed like a major, I wanted a major kind of mental shift, right? Um, and so I figured going abroad in some way or another would, would do that and also get away from like kind of this semi-toxic relationship and like, you know just the, the rhythm, the, the mundane day to day. And so I evaluated, I basically went to the Career Resource Center, not Career Resource but there was like a, at the hub, I don't know what it is like Study Abroad Center to see what they had to offer. And there were some programs that were uh, were offered by the school, sponsored by the school, where you'd actually go with a professor and he'd, you know, take a class while you're there. But um, it was like Germany to do an engineering class. It was precision engineering. And they'd take you to the BMW factory. Um, and you'd be in, in Europe. But it's funny because none of those things were really aligned with me. You know, Like Europe, I don't know. It's I prefer South America. Um precision engineering is cool but I'm really not that kind of engineer you know um, and I wanted a little bit something more I wanted some sense of freedom and, and I didn't really feel like being chaperoned by the school was what I wanted to do and then the spanish-speaking thing kind of kind of clinched it and then as well Wind aid is a, a charity organization it exists to help people make their lives better so it all became a no-brainer once I learned about this this opportunity and so um, fortunately you know my parents, Again, given all the resources that I, I could have ever wanted to have access to, made it possible, got on a plane, and three months later came back, I would say with a very different perspective.
0: Let me ask you, are would you say your parents are like your role models or the people you looked you looked up to? Or you no, know, who were who, who was that person or or was there a person? Not or not
1: really. Um <clears throat> I mean, for most of my childhood, there wasn't necessarily one of the role models was that older brother who was in the fraternity from, you know, my buddy from Lighthouse Point where I grew up, um, his older brother would come back and he was someone I wanted, I aspired to be. I might be like one of the first people that I aspired to be like, um, but yeah, growing up, um you know, I wish I could say that my parents were my role models. And in a sense, like everyone's parents are role models, as long as they're good parents and mine certainly were. Um, but uh, I definitely didn't want to become like my parents. So my, my dad is a pharmacist who's um, he became a victim of the, of the system, you know, like the the greatest human being, most selfless, loving, caring, giving, every, you know, sacrifice, talk about sacrifice, everything for me and my younger sister to, to get to where we were. But his parents, uh, he, he was born and grew up in New York, um, and his parents were like 17 years old when he was born, didn't know anything, did, not college educated, um, not particularly smart, you know, in general. And all they knew was, uh, you know, you got to go be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, fortunately, there was there was money from the grandparents and everyone lived together. So it was a pretty good situation. My dad always had everything he ever wanted and more. Um, but he didn't know anything. And he's kind of like me, a natural introvert. So he didn't have like that natural drive to go figure out and network and meet people. And so they said, Phil, you got to go be a doctor or a lawyer. And so he went to, he was at UF as well. um, And uh, he was living with three other roommates who were all in med school, like he was. And he quickly realized that they had a drive that he didn't. there was something there that he didn't have. Um, They were all type A personalities who were studying all the time. And and had the passion for what they were doing and i think probably two three years in school he realized like you know med school doesn't end after four years you know it's a life commitment <clears throat> and so it wasn't going to be for him unfortunately at that time pharmacy school is not what it is now where it costs a lot of money to go be a pharmacist to go to that school and there's extra years of schooling i think he only had to do um maybe an extra year or something so it, it kind of worked out but uh, fast forward, you know, he pretty much hated pharmacy for his entire life, you know, just making really good money um, for his family, but, you know, not enjoying it. And so uh, in a sense, you I don't think a role model is someone you don't want to be like, but he was definitely someone I learned lessons from, you know, uh, not to end up that way. And so that that had a big influence in, in the decisions I made to become who I am, um, kind of in the opposite sense of of a role model, right? Asking what you do to get there, it's kind of more observing what should I not do to end up where I don't want to be, um, which is equally valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry. What was what was the the no, main question?
0: Your role models. I was asking your. Role models.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, role models. Okay, that's so then,
0: But that's real yeah. though because you got lost in it because it's like when you get older, you you it's interesting like you reflect on it because same for me like. I didn't have nobody. I had people like I like it was like you. I had like family friends that are like family, you know. They're not technically family, but they're family. But they are technically family. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, had people I could I could look at, you know. Um, I didn't have that because you need a lot of times too it's like remote, remote, but with role models, you know, you want you want um, it. You just. You want it. <laughs> you want to. As men, I don't know. As a man, like you want to have something to aspire, something to aspire
1: to. to. Yeah, be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So it's interesting to 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 get perspective on that, and and also it's okay not to have not to have not to have some. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I have like Kevin Garnett. That's my favorite player. You know, of of all of any sport but it's not like he's my role model. Like, you know, I'm not going to be seven foot, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be seven foot. Like like, like we're, um, we're not, we're not going to have, that's not it, you know? So it's interesting when you're in college, you know, like you said, um, you're going into college and you you're picking some at 17, 18, you know, it's, is, is, it's difficult. So, so I, I say all that to also say, like, it's interesting, too, coming from a perspective of, like, your dad working all the time and having a crazy work schedule to where he's here, but he's not here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that it, it, he was absent. He wasn't working that much. It was just that the work that he was doing was not fulfilling for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he was definitely around, you know, at the sports games coming as many, you know, PTA school events as he could, but it was more about um, the sacrifice to to just do a job, even if generally it was nine to five, um, that he did not want to be doing, you know? It's an
0: energy sucker, for a but long. it's like, but it's it's similar to now that we're adults, it's knowing that, what and what I mean, uh, not present is like mentally, you know? Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was there, but he wasn't there because- he was thinking, and pharmacy is a complicated profession. You know, mm-hmm. that's a and science, and you're also dealing with people. You know, so that's a complicated thing. It's like for me when I first started doing sales. When you have those highs, it's great. You can t- go home, and it's great. When you start having those lows, and you're dealing with that, and then you go home, it's like it's tough. As like I started sales at 19. You know, it's tough. Like when you have a shitty day, like no one. No sales and then your mom trying to talk to you, like don't well, talk to me. You're just, you know. like just like, good. You, you, and then and then now you realize, okay, that's that's why my mom was mad at me, because like she's where she doesn't want to be and she's yep. sacrificing. Yeah,
1: you carry you know? that with you, you carry that energy.
0: You carry that home. Yeah. You carry that home if you have nowhere to decompress it at or release mm-hmm. that You know, so it, it's like it's like <clears throat> you you were aware enough to like see, you know what it's doing and how to make that shift so as yeah. I appreciate you for sharing that well, well talk about your mom like hype your mom up talk about your mom
1: uh, I mean my mom sweetest mom ever she uh as soon as I was born she's you know stopped working and just focused on raising me and my sister who's four and a half years younger and like uh, I could argue that maybe she was overly involved in my academic upbringing you know always on PTA like at school, when I'm at school, you know, doing stuff to the point like where it's in high school, it's like people are like, oh, Bryce, your mom's over there. And it's like, oh, cool, you know, but like she did all of that to make sure that I was like on the right path and doing the right things. Because, like I mentioned, I wasn't the one worried about passing math class and writing my essay to get into school, to college, you know, because I had no interest in doing that. And so I I, I have to owe everything to her, you know, to have gotten me the the credentials and kind of the key key skills she even made me you know take uh Mavis Beacon typing courses because she knew that you had to learn how to type and it's funny because she is the worst with a computer to the point where it's like if she needs help I'm like oh god here we go again you know but she knew that that was important and you know to this day like I'm grateful that I can type so quickly and knock things out so just kind of making sure you know being over my shoulder all the time making sure that I was staying out of trouble just doing well in school and and being given, you know, going to the best public schools, you know, she made sure to find out, you know, even in elementary school, she found the special school in Fort Lauderdale. There was a magnet Montessori and it was like the best elementary school in, you know, around town. Um, and then Pompano beach high school was a, also a very unique magnet school application only. And just making sure that I was always doing that boy scouts, cub scouts, um, sports, summer camps, all of that, you know, to make me w- well-rounded. And so she just kind of, you know, dedicated her life to making sure that me and my sister turned out okay, and I have to have eternal gratitude for that. I don't know how much she actually taught me herself, you know, um, but for everything else she made happen, like she didn't have to teach me anything. Um, yeah, 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 that's my mom's Mom story.
0: Fucking awesome. You yeah, know? and and that's like a real parent. It's like knowing what i'm good at and knowing what i can't do (laughs) and Mm -hmm. using my resources to make sure that you know like that's real parenting because we don't like no one has all the answers you know like and it's about like if you really want it knowledge and research you know like yeah so what is a montessori because i'm i've always been curious about those schools like what 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 is the curriculum or like the daily activities of a Montessori school?
1: Yeah. So Montessori is, uh, it's a philosophy, a school of, of thought about how to teach. Um, it's like a philosophy and this was elementary school. I don't know if they have Montessori, you know, as, as you get older and progress, but, um, it was basically very visual and very hands-on. So, um, uh, like they had blocks, um, and, one big block represented a hundred, a smaller one represented 10, and then a small one represented one. And it made it easy to visualize, I think, you know, math and, uh, and science and little tips and tricks and tools that it was, it was very like, uh, visual, physical, and hands-on. Uh, I don't know much more about the Montessori philosophy. Um, I'm sure it's very interesting, especially if you're into education, which, um, you know, we we both have that interest, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a unique school of, of thought about teaching people, and I think it particularly applies to young minds: it's how to mold them, how to get them to think, um, you know, help them visualize and understand, so that it's not just forcing knowledge down their throat; it's actually understanding what's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, damn, that's that's dope, and, and and I appreciate you for sharing because I like to expose people to to different stories of different upbringings to show you like there's no cookie cutter way and I like to build the catalog of different people who come on and I always talk about you know the upbringing upbringing stuff like that to just show how exposure and and awareness of what's going on and exposure to either being being intentional on leeching onto certain things that dictates how we're gonna be when we're older, <laughs> you know, for,
1: absolutely
0: for the most part. Yeah. So, so the earlier, and it's never too late to make the switch for the better. It's never too late, you know. If anything, it's right on time, you know, as soon mm-hmm. as you're right on time. It's right on time. It's never too late. It's right on time, you know. So, yeah. how do you go from working to now, to now, Popple, like? What what was like? What led you to where you're at now?
1: Yeah. So again, it's just so funny how everything like leads to the next step so perfectly. In retrospect, you look back and it's like this is exactly how I got to this step and how I ended up here. But at the, it's impossible to foresee that when you're in the moment. So I graduated school with with no job because. Uh, you know, I, again, I hadn't really put any, any focus on you doing that. Do
0: you just knew you had to get the degree.
1: Yeah. And and I figured that, you know, it, it's messed up because it was just like, Oh, if I get an engineering degree that equals the second I walk out of those doors, I, someone's going to hand me a check for a hundred thousand dollars. In my mind, that was exactly but what that was going to happen.
0: Told, though. That's one of those yeah. myths. Like you engineer yeah. automatically hundred
1: they were going to give me a certificate and I was going to walk out and hand that to certificate someone and they were going to give me a hundred thousand dollar check. I was convinced that that's exactly the way it was going to happen. And then, you know, as uh, graduation started looming closer, it was like that, oh, shit mentality. Like, I don't have a job. And uh, it was very last minute, you know, um, I started getting scared um, and it, it like it, it was it was starting to become like a wasn't like a dark time because that's way too extreme to say and I was like I was okay and I had a uh, fortunately I was very lucky also shout out my girlfriend um who I met at school um which is another thing that you know one thing leads to another went to school to become social join the fraternity I ended up being a bus boy at uh AOPI sorority um and Best ended up hey I was friends.
0: a busboy legend yeah yeah
1: <laughs> busboys um They're and food. so and, and I got, you know, I was given the opportunity to become a busboy because of like the social like efforts that I made while I was at school. Um, and a lot of people say like being a busboy to sorority is a dream job. And, it you know, to be honest, it was, it'll be one of the best jobs I've ever had. Free food, hanging out with a lot of girls all the time. And, you know, and there's a group of busboys who are really cool. And that was an incredible experience. And I digress. But um, point of the story is that it allowed me to meet my girlfriend who I'm with five years later now and has supported me through all of this, Um, you know, and another one of those influences that you just got to, got to be super grateful for and never forget about. But um, anyway, the point of that is that although I was becoming desperate and like, it was starting to feel scary. My girlfriend was there and that was a huge, like she was a rock for me. Um, And so Probably with a year left, I was like, oh, crap, I got to do something because I don't have a job. So I started trying to do like get involved with the research at, at the school. And I did I worked in an engineering lab under a Ph.D. professor for like six months. And that was an incredible experience learned from that. But six months is not long enough to really like make a dent on the resume. Um, and then I started really going, ham, hey, applying for jobs. And by the time I walked out of there, I didn't have a job. And it was like th- that's when it got kind of like dark ish. Um, i've never been i've a sad person i've never even been able to fathom what depression could be but as soon as i walked out there without a job left my girlfriend there like still together but like just not knowing what was going on that was the first time that i ever felt what i could probably describe as like depression right and desperation but um fortunately like going back to what we talked about in the beginning the drive to know that this is not okay like i I gotta be better. I can do better. And that's what like pushed me through that. Um, But that was like the, probably the darkest, worst time of my life. Not just not knowing, and like having spent all this time at school, like getting an engineering degree and maybe I'm not going to get a job, you know, and it was scary. And so I just was applying for a bunch of jobs and then um, there happened to be one. So at the time I was living at home um, with my parents in lighthouse point, which is kind of South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. And I found a job on Craigslist, which is funny because I've always like been a big Craigslist guy, like finding deals. And I even found some gigs while I was in in Gainesville. Um, I was using uh, 3D modeling, which I learned in school, to design outdoor kitchens, like luxury kitchens with grills and stuff. I was doing that for some cash on the side at school, and so I knew that Craigslist was a, a resource, you know. And so I was on Craigslist, and I found this job, product development associate, at King of Fans in Oakland Park, Florida. And I was like, no way. Um, and I have to stop myself here because, um, I probably missed the key part. So when you talked about what do you want to do and like, what are your interests and how did I become the head of products at Popple? Um, at that end of, end of that period, at the end of school where I was like freaking out and really like trying to figure out what am I going to do? I was really thinking about what I wanted to do and, I've always had a passion for shoes, you know, like collecting shoes growing up. I was buying them on eBay, like reselling them for more than I bought them, like where I'm reselling them for more. Um, all the kids always complimented me and in, in middle school. And uh, so I just love shoes. And I was like, you know, I want to be a product design engineer at Nike. And I found out about at the time about the self tying Nike shoes where you press a button, they lace up and uh, you're good to go. I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like, if I could choose one job, it would be to design the next iteration of that. And, uh, and so I was like trying to figure out how to do that, how to get, you know, work at shoe companies in the engineer design department, something like that. Um, and I watched, there's a, there's a Netflix uh, series about art and design. And there's one that focuses on Tinker Hatfield, who if you haven't seen this, this was also one of those kind of uh, books, stories. Move. Like, yeah, like one of those pieces of resources that have an impact. So Tinker Hatfield was, uh, he was like, I guess, head of design and engineering at Nike, who uh, when they signed Michael Jordan, he, de- he designed the, 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 the Jordan ones. And just, you know, can you imagine like when that shit, that, that shoe hit the market, like, and the success that it had. And he pretty much designed the entire Jordan line after that. He I think he was, uh, he didn't do Air Maxes. That was the, the other, uh, that was the founder, which uh, shoe dog, uh, by Phil Knight that that book completely changed my my course i read that right after i graduated and resonated with everything in that book and i i have to say that everything that's happened to me since i think was a direct result of that book i don't think there's been anything that has had as much impact on my life as shoe dog by phil knight so
0: thank you for saying that and i try to stress that every freaking podcast or everything like books are the gatekeepers of like that's that's the thing 20,
1: 30 40 years of knowledge someone wrote down in, in 40 pages for you to digest in in a however long you can read a book four hours two days whatever you
0: download decades of data in hours. right into your brain thank you for sharing that
1: so continue yeah yeah and so that book changed my my directory changed my life um this this special i think it's called the art of design it's a series on netflix that chronicles like top successful designers tinker hatfield was the guy that worked with michael jordan designed all of the jordans and just like massive success and then he headed up this self-tying shoe project project and i told myself that that's exactly what i need to be doing there's nothing not even a slight variation of, of a half a degree from that could be possibly what i should be doing with my life and so like. I mean, I was applying to every single job, writing crazy cover letters, reaching out to every single employee, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour on LinkedIn. And I was like, this is what I have to do. And it wasn't working out because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't put in enough time long-term to set myself up to be in that position. And um, yeah, it was like kind of like sad and, and depressing. It's like, this is probably isn't going to work out. Um, but anyway, so back to Craigslist and finding that job at King of Fans. So Turns out the uh, the manufacturer of every ceiling fan and most outdoor landscape lighting that you see when you walk into Lowe's and Home Depot, their headquarters is in Oakland Park, Florida, right off I-95. They manufacture what? all of this in China, but you know, who knew? And so um, I found this job and it honestly, besides the product was just exactly what I wanted to be doing. And uh, so I applied. And uh, pretty much immediately got a call, um, went in for an interview, and one of the questions is the guy who was going to be my boss turned out to be my boss, who also turned out to be an 05 Fidel from UF. Again, go figure. Confirmation, Um,
0: not coincidence.
1: (laughs) You know, Um, he asked me, you know, how do you feel about traveling to China? Because that's part of the job. And I was like, oh, my God, because... I was also thinking I'm, I'd be willing to get up and move to China for for a good job because you know going back to that Peru experience is like I could do that I could get up and live in another country, not knowing that Chinese is a very different language and culture that it would not have been as like easy to integrate into as Spanish, which I learned you know many years of my life and and it's very similar to English, so it worked out because. I got the opportunity to go to China many times through this job. And so basically what I was doing, Product Development Associate, was learning the basics of what I've done since and what I do now. It's bringing products from concept in a designer's mind to commercialization, sitting on the shelf in Home Depot, in Target, in Walmart, wherever, you know, direct to consumer, online, whatever it may be. There's a process from how it he goes from an idea, a concept in someone's mind, to a prototype, to to testing and meeting government regulations for that product, to manufacturing, and working through engineering problems, um, supply chain, you know, getting it on boats overseas, or you know, and customs, getting it through customs, complying with that, uh, sales channels whether it's retail, online, marketing, all of this, it's a full, it's the entire cycle of whether it's a physical product or, you know, non-tangible, like an app or something, there's still a process and there's a lot of similarities to get something from just an idea to something you could sell and run a business on. And it was crazy, this opportunity that I was given. And, you know, I worked there for like two years and the culture and the vibe wasn't right for me. And so I really wanted to move on and do something else but as far as what I was doing was so interesting and like I couldn't have asked for a better first accidental opportunity you know like flying to China to meet with the factories find different suppliers make sure like products and samples are getting made and then being on calls with Home Depot and Lowe's and doing competitive research and it was just like every like 101 it was basically like product development boot camp and a lot of it because of and, and yeah, I got to be careful the way, you know, it, everything is a good experience, but there was things I didn't like, you know, um, and, and so I did want to leave that position, which I ultimately did, but man, there was, I couldn't have asked for anything better. It was like the training camp boot camp for, for everything that I needed to know and learn. And so I did that. Um, but probably a year into that is when, um, I started my own company, um, kickback phone stand. Um, which started as kick track phone stand. And it was basically me and a a fraternity brother who were thinking, you know, on the same wavelength of, there's gotta be more for, for us out there, you know, like both inspired to start a business. And, um, so we created, basically, it was going to be a phone, all in one kickstand phone grip, and then phone finder and key finder when your phone is dead or keys are lost. And it was going to have Bluetooth and electronics and a battery and circuit board and, You know, I I had my engineering degree, but I was not ready for, you know, what they don't teach you in school is how much things cost to create products, bring them to market. They don't teach you about compliance certification, the FCC, which is the government like agency that says, if you have a product that emits wireless waves, like Bluetooth phones, anything, if that, if that wave interferes with someone's pacemaker for their heart or the airplanes flying above you if it's causing interference that's super dangerous and so this is all very regulated by the government and you don't learn any of that in school you know and so and that all costs money to get tested to get certified let alone the cost of having an engineer that i found like through upwork to design the circuit board yada yada spent a ton of money we did a kickstarter that, that was exciting but you know you, the success is defined relatively right and so at the time it was very successful but in it, To be honest, you know, given everything I've done now is more of a learning experience. And starting that whole company was a learning experience. Um, Spent a lot of money. uh, But the way I think about it is that you spend a lot of money to go to school and they don't pay you, right? You don't get any of that money back. You just get the opportunity to go on to bigger and better things, right? You go pay to be a doctor. You pay ungodly sums of money. Then you graduate with the hopes that someone's going to pay you for the knowledge that you gained to pay. Right. And so whether it was through a formal, formal Avenue, what being a college state university or, you know, doc, uh, what what do they say? Like a degree from Google and, and uncle Google and, and, and cousin, cousin, YouTube or whatever, you know, an MBA in the streets, more or less is, is what I went and did. And I spent that money. um, But I learned everything that I needed to know that, I wasn't, and I was getting a lot from my job, you know, at King of Fans, like going to China, that experience, but there was other, I wasn't involved in the e-commerce, right? Setting up an e-commerce store, like marketing, text message marketing, email marketing, Facebook advertising, pay-per-click advertising, like things you need to know to run a business in the 21st century, right? How to find uh, freelancers online to, to do all of this stuff, you know what I mean? Just everything. And so I was learning that on my own. Um, just spending every, you know, whether I was at work or at home, I was just grind, 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 weekends, nights. And my girlfriend was like, you know, super patient. And I again shout out her for for supporting me through that because like I was just nonstop, you know, and I, I gained a lot of weight because like my health wasn't my priority. It was just like getting to where I needed to go. And I wasn't sure what that was. And we thought, you know, our goal was just to become millionaires, and that's all we cared about. Um, fast forward, that's not what's important. It's the freedom, you know. But when you're young, you don't really realize that you just, you want a Lamborghini and a boat and whatever. Um, and so I left King of Fans um, at the end of 2019. Uh, I also left my, my own company at the end of 2019. So things end and things start when they're supposed to, right? And so um, my next job started at the beginning of 2020, which I got through a fraternity brother's dad. So again, this networking thing, man, like the value of that fraternity for sure paid off. Um, and so that company did industrial electronics and controls. So the easiest way to explain that because most people don't know what that is. So in your, your home or your apartment, there's there's a panel somewhere you open up and there's all the breaker switches to turn off the electricity. So electricity comes into your home on the big power lines at very high dangerous voltages. Um, and then it comes into your house and steps down onto safer voltages. Um, that if you touch, it wouldn't kill you, you'll get shocked. But now imagine that uh, at a a factory, right? A a place that's using big, big machines, big equipment, um, using a lot of electricity, high voltage, high power, dangerous stuff. Um, And so this company that I worked for made basically controls, you know, on, off, uh, time delay things to, to manage the electricity that goes to your big industrial equipment. Um, so it was cool, you know, first at King of fans, I learned consumer products, things you buy you know, people like you and I go to Walmart or, or, you know, like, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's target, whatever to buy. This was a totally different industry. It's industrial, right? So businesses running factories and buying big machinery and equipment are buying this different government regulations, different rules, similar uh, product development process, but, you know, kind of a different take on things. And so that was cool. Um, And, uh, shout out C3 controls, shout out Pete Dalmasimo, the best boss I ever had. Um, you learn, you learn things from everyone, everywhere you go. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't again where I needed to be. And, uh, and so leading into how I found Popple. So at the end of, of 2019, I left my company that I had started as well as the company that was working for nine to five, two jobs. And then, um, I just started kind of doing my own thing on Amazon. So I knew the phone accessory space very well. So I, well, the main th- product I had created was a, a magnetic accessory for pop sockets, um, which is, you know, the phone grip. So i made uh, basically a little magnet attachment. So you could take it on, take it off and stick the phone to a magnetic car mount in your car. This product didn't exist. I had this problem, I needed a solution. And I knew exactly every step to, do, to go through to do it very, very quickly and without wasting time and money, because this is, these are the things I had learned at this point, you know, move quickly, iterate, don't waste time, that kind of thing. And uh, so I was selling these uh, pop magnets on Amazon. um, And I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do as my side hustle now, you know, and like, just do Amazon. And so one day I was on Instagram, just for marketing purposes, you know, like, uh, just seeing what's out there, probably looking at phone case companies, thing, people I could maybe work with. And I saw this video, um, which uh, it, was, it was Popple. And basically, this was the viral video that, that launched Popple into what it is. Um, and uh, Jason and Nick went to UCLA, and it was a video of one of them at the UCLA gym. Uh, their friend Aro is walking out, and they're like, oh, Aro, I didn't get your number. She's like, oh, no problem. She turns around. Puts her phone up and they're like, whoa, what's this? And it pops up on the phone like magic with all her her social media contact info. And that video ended up getting. uh, So within the first 24 hours, like, uh, I think they went to bed and it had a lot of views. They woke up and it was just like nutty, like millions of views. And it was getting like 10,000 views a second, like crazy, crazy numbers. And uh, they were selling like popples on cards out of their apartment, just like putting these things on, putting stamps, super unscalable. And the next day, they ran out of them, and uh, and it just changed their business. But fast forward to today, that video has 80 million views. The popple TikTok has two million followers verified, which is very like unheard of for for businesses. Um, many of like the biggest brands that we know and love have you know less than a million followers on TikTok, and so TikTok. If I could preach one sports thing for someone starting a business, sports what's that?
0: don't have that much. Professional yeah. sports team. ESPN
1: doesn't have that many. And so that's one thing that I learned through all of this is that social media and new and emerging platforms, you have to be on it. And uh, another book that I had read, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It, he talked about TikTok when it was Musical.ly. So Musical.ly was an American company that got bought by TikTok four, five, six years ago now. And he said, if you're not on Musical.ly, you're effing up because this is a massive platform and this is before it blew up this this was before 2020 and tiktok and and covid and and tiktokers and all of this this is when it was just musically and he said guys if if you're a business and you're not a musically you're doing it wrong and so um we i realized that when i was doing my phone kickstand company that You know, this is a perfect product to to stand up for TikTokers to record themselves, and I early on realized that because I read a book by Gary Vaynerchuk. You know what I mean? People that have spent years and years developing businesses and failing, and then write a book that you can listen an audio book in and out in you know a few hours. So that was major key. But anyway, I digress again. Um, I saw this video on on Instagram that they had reposted and I was like, whoa, what is this? And I was thinking, you know, maybe they'd be interested in a magnetic version that they could remove and stick the phone to the car or whatever. So I just sent a message, uh, direct message slid in the DM to so the Popple IG and I was like, hey, uh, what's up guys? You know, would love to do a collab. We're a team of engineers, It's ex- very experienced with launching products, just me in my bedroom, you know, like saying there's a, oh, we've got all this experience and people and whatever. And sure enough, I got a text back. Um, and it all, this all comes down to timing because when I had, when I found them and reached out, they were, they had just started their company. It was just, uh, Jason and Nick, the co-founders. I don't think J- Jeremy had even gotten involved yet as the third partner who he came in and, and really had a lot of influence. And he came in in a very similar way to, to me and to talk about being receptive, Jason and Nick, two kids, more or less out of college. Jason worked at Boeing for a year. Jason's a software developer. Um, and I think Nick had, um, he's a year younger, so he had a few months of like commercial real estate, but kids more or less fresh out of school, um, that, uh, when people like myself or Jeremy, who became their third partner reached out and said, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Being open to it and receptive and then having people come in and now having me and Jeremy and everyone else that came in the way we did being having such pivotal roles, uh, in the company, you know, it's that being open, being receptive, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I reached out on Instagram, sent a message and Jason was the one who runs our Instagram, social media. And uh, we started chatting and I was like, yeah, I'll get you like, you know, I'll make some prototypes for you, send them over. And I, I had my manufacturer in China that was doing the pop magnets, make some special ones for them. I sent them like a little box with instructions, whatever. And uh, Jason and I had gotten on a call and connected. We had a lot in common. We liked talking to each other. Um, ultimately the the collab that I had in mind wasn't going to work out. Like they they tested them, they didn't really work that well. They no one really saw the value. When Jason told me when I first met them in person, he was like, Yeah, I thought that was gonna be the last time I talked to this kid. And, uh, but at that point I realized, like, I just had a feeling that this was something special and unique and there was a lot of potential here. And I was like, man, there's more potential in this than, than my little magnets, you know? And I was like, I got to see if I could get involved in this somehow. And so once I realized that it wasn't going to happen, I was like, yo, Jason, I understand like this, you know, what we envision isn't going to work out, but I'll be honest, like I would love to work at this company one day. Um, and, uh and this is where maybe something else that I learned in quarantine is lead with value. So I did a lot for nothing for a while. Um, you know, I, I even went out of my way and said, you know, I'd love to, cause I had a whole list of uh, TikTokers that I had worked with at pop magnets um, that we had sent product to that loved it and was posting videos basically for free. Um, and I was like, I'd love to do that for you guys. You know, I have this entire list of all their mailing addresses and everything um, and he was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, whatever. And so I started reaching out and getting some phone numbers and addresses and sending them to Jason. He was like, I think quickly realized that like I was actually like trying to do something. And I was like, you know, I could reach out to, to other companies and do other kinds of collaborations. Could you maybe hook me up with a Bryce at popple.co email? He's like, yeah, we could definitely probably do that. Let me go talk to the team. Week, week and a half goes by. I, I didn't hear anything. And I was like, man. So I went on Google and created popple.brice at gmail.com. Right. Just like self-starter. And and I started sending out emails like on behalf of, you know, Bryce at Popple and getting some good leads, like um, for partnerships, for influencers, things like that. And I'm sending them to Jason. He's like, holy crap. Like, th- OK, it's too much. Like, like, you know, he's actually doing this. And so um, then I got on a call with Jason and Jeremy and Nick, met them. We had, you know, hit it off, had good rapport. And then they made me they actually made me a Bryce at Popple email kept doing stuff for free, you know, like not asking for anything. I just, you know, I, because I had nothing, I didn't deserve anything. I had to lead with value. And then I helped them launch our first Popple wristbands, which was like uh, our first iteration of this, which was not nearly as popular. Um, but uh, I did it quickly. You know, I got it done. I handled it. And then I started joining uh, our daily stand-up meetings and then at on April 12th. So it's, a little over two months ago, I started my first official full-time day at Popple. Um, you know, replaced my my previous salary. Um, now I get to uh, you know bounce back from the East Coast to the West Coast, sunshine to sunshine. Live in a house in in Beverly Hills for a week. Be with a bunch of awesome people and do exactly what I want to do. It's not it's not the self tying Nike shoe, but it's better it's actually better. And, and it's just crazy, you know, like who, who would have known, but I'm much happier here. I can guarantee you I'm much happier here than I would be at Nike. When I had, I had reached out to a uh, pretty high ups at Nike that had gone to UF to ask for, um, oh, and we have a minute left, so I, I probably got to bounce here, but um, just at, asked to talk. And someone had said something like you got to ask permission to go to the bathroom. So can you imagine like how, how much, different my life would be if I was at Nike working on a self-tying shoe asking permission to go to the bathroom or I could wake up here and do whatever I want you know but
0: that so, is that's so fire. Story. this yeah, is that's part one this is yeah, part, one. part one you know, this is good this is the journey yeah. and then next time we're gonna do this I'm gonna be in Cali in yep. the Papa house and we'll do a full product do a full sales pitch we'll do all that stuff but I appreciate you for sharing your story because this is actually a beautiful way to tie up episode, part one um, of our of our part two of our two-part series because <coughs> it just shows, man, like there is no set path. And I just thank you for sharing your story of leading with value, always trying to create something, always running head first to adversity, because that's mm-hmm. what it's about. And because you're willing to do it at such a young age in your 20s. Now look at you in your mid 20s, going, setting up the late the rest of your life, you know, and now it's done. You figured out yep. the time freedom hack, you know, and you figured out your, your, your shit, man. So I thank you so much. Have an awesome freaking team meeting. Um, thank you, Bryce head of product and partnerships, get Adam Bryce at Popple.co. If you want to do a, a, a collaboration or you <laughs> want it, or maybe I might have a special discount code for some Popple product, but thank you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Not you guys, but thank you, Bryce, for sharing your story, sharing your experiences and providing some uh, information and inspiration.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's been awesome. My first pad, podcast, such a pleasure. I appreciate you. It's good catching up, good talking. I'm excited about what you're doing and and where you're going and very excited for our part two. And yeah, very excited for you to come out here and, and meet everybody and have a good time in California. So we'll be, we'll be talking soon.
0: Exactly. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. This is the credentials. Yeah. You learned a lot, you know, get motivated, get inspired, you know, be grateful and and be intentional. So, so thank you, Bryce. I appreciate you, bro.
1: Alright brother. Yeah. Have a part two. Talk two. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.
0: Generational Sports Partnerships and Productions appreciates you viewing and or listening to this original
1: content series. Let this empower you towards positive action. Now let's be great.